I love the way you say film. You're very welcome to the film show. I'm Mike Sheridan. I'm joined as always by Brian Lloyd. Wave of the people, Brian and Dima Lumby. And uh, I haven't introduced him for the last few weeks. He's just he's just uh, cracked wise. But producer Dave. Hello. We had a great old show last week, didn't we? We did. We had a really good time last week. Did you have a good time last week? I feel like something was missing. Do you? Aww. Aww. What was missing? Brian. Yeah, I, okay. Are, did, did no, we, we, don't, we don't need to go into why good. or how. Good, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah we, it makes it sound like really serious. Yeah, like it's he was so, in hospital it's or something. It's so, it's so serious. <laughs> if he was in hospital, it would be funny. You know. I wasn't. I wasn't. It wasn't was on Ireland AM. It was double booked for Ireland AM. That's what it was. We're double booked. You didn't put it in the calendar. I know I didn't put it in the calendar, okay? I know I didn't put it in the calendar. You asked for this. I, I was did, just gonna yeah. mock him gently and move on. You see? And then, then you had to, oh yeah, yeah, no, but then you had to put in the you had to put in the Paul Rudd awkward yeah. hug again. Twice. Twice. Actually, and it, it, just before we move on to some movie news quickly, on Renan is in the room, although he's not mic'd up. He was producer own uh, a few weeks ago. Did a mighty fine job. Mighty fine job on. Mighty fine job. Um, so we're gonna find that uh, footage of you blowing a kiss to Mark Hagney somewhere. Somehow, why aren't you on Renan? Gonna find that. Go, we're gonna find that. Okay, let's talk some movie news. Steven, Steven, uh, Steven Spielbergo. Senior Spielbergo. Senior Spielbergo is in the news because um, when he was on doing press for Ready Player One, yeah. he talked a lot about, well, I suppose he was asked about it, but, or maybe he just prompted mm. it himself, talking about Netflix and how Netflix movie movies are more TV shows. And now that studios are going for the tempoles and all that stuff as well. He's filming West Side Story at the moment, or he's gearing up to. And he's, he's giving out about the old mm. streaming services again, Dave. Yeah. What's his problem? He doesn't like them. He doesn't like change. Much like the rest of us. And it is funny the timing with this because Steven Spielberg is kind of talking about um, the downside of streaming platforms again. And I think that the timing of it is funny because just when another prolific director, that is Steven Soderbergh, has just released his latest movie on um, Netflix and basically used it to kind of talk about the benefits of Netflix as a streaming platform and as a platform for consumption um, through that movie High Flying Bird. Yeah. I almost forgot the name yeah. of it for a second. I was like, delay, delay, delay. the name like, comes to me. Do you know why? That's how you can tell you're a pro. You just kept talking until <laughs> you figured it out. <laughs> exactly. Um, or until you guys told me. But anyway, I mean, I do feel sad for Steven Spielberg in a way. And you were going to say Senior Spielberg, weren't you? <laughs> You definitely were. <laughs> I was not. He's Mexican. I am not. Mexican non-union represent. I'm never, I'm never going to get to my point. Um, but I do sympathize with him because, I mean, the man basically totally made a name for himself off blockbusters, yeah. off people kind of going to the cinemas and watching movies theatrically. But, I mean, I think the point he was making about indie films is kind of null and void because I think that a lot of those films wouldn't be watched unless they were available Very on much. screen. So that's, that's, yeah. so that's basically what he going, said, yeah. Yeah, people aren't going to the cinemas to watch those kind of movies. They're either let's be honest, downloading them illegally, which we don't want to happen. No. We want them to be available on a platform that people are actually paying for and that these directors are getting the kind of, you know, finance as well as the actual recognition yeah, for I the stuff they're producing. I think most you know? people would pay whatever, five, ten euros mm. to download or to, even for a couple of days, you can rent and download now yeah. Yeah. on YouTube or on iTunes or wherever it is, Brian. But these movies aren't, I think these said, right, these 10 to 30 million dollar movies, are not being made by anybody no, else. They're not. They're not. And I mean, like, it's it's funny because you know you look at something like Russian Doll as an example. Like, I mean, I That's think a TV if, series. It's a TV series, but what I'm saying is that the central kind of idea of it would have made a great indie comedy mm. in the '90s or yeah. in the early 2000s. Like, um, 
I like to be honest, like it's it is annoying in the sense of like, you know, there are these great films that just aren't getting the eyeballs because, you know, they're getting pushed to Netflix and of course Netflix has so much content that you just can't seem to parse it and everything, mm. you know, that kind of way. But like you know, it's gas because like Steven Spielberg given out about the state of streaming services and the state of TV and all this kind of thing. When he was responsible for one of the most celebrated, one of the most acclaimed TV series ever made, mm. Band of Brothers. Like it was him and Tom Hanks. Like so, his career pretty much started off in TV. In TV, exactly. Yeah, like his one of his first things was uh, Columbo. Um, he like he did like a TV movie, uh, Columbo. Like. But see, things well, like Steven Spielberg is never going to have any issues getting movies made. No, either. that's yeah. the thing. But it's not a bit more about the size of the movies that he's trying to produce. And we we'll move on now. Mm. And the second word is Soderbergh. It makes perfect sense for him. Completely. Yeah. Because Soderbergh. And I read an interview with Soderbergh recently as well, who's one of the greatest living filmmakers, at least in terms of the risks he takes. Yeah. He's, you know, he's inconsistent by default, I think, because of how much volume that he puts out. But he was saying, you know, he just wants eyeballs on his movies. And exactly. that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And he even, like, yeah, he even said it as well about the reason why he made High Flying Bird on iPhones. It was, it was like, literally, I made this for nothing. I was Two million dollar budget. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I was able to keep the budget really tight. I could. I knew I could make it with this amount of money with the with these cameras. I could make it look good. iPhones. Yeah. iPhones. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And why not? Like you know that kind of way. Like I mean, to be honest, for me as somebody who watches a lot of movies for my job, I want to see something original. I want to see something that I've never seen before. And if you have to use that making, if you have to use that, if you have to do it with iPhones, and if it gets put on Netflix, well then so be it. Like yeah. you know what I mean. And the other thing is, I think that people will still pay to see movies at the cinema if they're made for the big screen. You know what I mean? Like, that's why the blockbusters are the ones that make so much money at the end yeah. of the day. And the CGI it's the people it's, it's the $200 yeah. million a cost to produce. It's the, it's that's the, the thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the big risk versus big reward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, okay, fine, this movie will cost $200 million to make, but we know it's going to make close to a billion. So we're going to, like, quadruple our money on it. Like, you know, that kind of way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 just like gambling. Like, is in you know, in the seventies, it was like okay, small small to medium sized budgets, and we'll get make our money back plus a little bit more, um, and then just it snowballed yeah. into mm. big budget, bigger reward. Okay, sorry, were you going to say something? Oh no, I was just going to make a final point because no, I was just going to pick up on something you were saying earlier, Brian, because. From what I remember of what he was saying of his more recent comments, it wasn't so much that he was giving out about TV per se. Yeah. He was he just wants to keep TV separate. separate. He's been from a purist. Movies. He's but, been a cinematic purist. Yeah, but yeah. I just I think it's a bit backwards thinking and this is just the way it's progressing and he just needs to get on board with it to be honest. Yeah, I mean I would love to see a Michael Mann movie just thrown up on Netflix. Yeah. And to stream that or to stream that in HD on the you know the best TV I could find. Yeah. As opposed to waiting for a year and a half and then yeah. the movie's finished but the studio only wants to put it out at a certain That's the thing because yeah. like TV consuming is like, you know, getting better and better anyway, because people are buying, you know, bigger TVs and HD TVs for everything because they want that yeah. viewing experience. But it's funny though, right? And this is and this is I, the point I would make, right, is that I watched, um, it was about three weeks ago, I, uh, The Lighthouse put on uh, Heat mm. in 35mm, uh, like actual print celluloid thing. Yeah. And it was the first time I'd ever seen Heat in a cinema with that, with that like 35mm print. And like I've seen Heat, I don't know how many times, uh, probably, and I'm not exaggerating here, at least 50 times. And I've always seen it either on DVD or I downloaded it or I saw it on Blu-ray. It was the first time I ever saw it on film, and the film was completely different. And I it could have had. 
good in that the colours looked more alive, the mm. sound was more, it just blew me away more. It was just, it was like hearing my favourite album, but the way it was meant to be heard. And like, what Steven Spielberg is talking about, it, yeah, he's right in the sense of like, you know, people should be going to the cinema more, and people should be embracing mm -hmm. it more. But the fact is, it's just people aren't because it's too expensive, or it's, you know, the same films are being released over and over mm -hmm. again. There are either sequels or you had to see the first one or something like that. So, like, his whole thing about being more pure about it, I agree with him in principle, but in reality, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, so. Fair enough. Okay, let's move on briefly and talk about Diff because you want to get to your interview D with Ronnie mm -hmm. Humphreys in a couple of moments. Are there any highlights this year at Diff for you? I'm sure there are, obviously, but are there any for you guys that stand out here that you would love to see? You may even wait in line. With the punters. Uh, Vox no, Lux. There's no press screenings. Yeah, Vox Lux, I really, really want to see. It's Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman and uh, Jude Law and the Brady Corbet thing, yeah. And I really, really want to see Vox Lux, just because it's kind of like the anti-Star is Born, if you know what I mean. It's in, like, it's the, not the... She's this, like, uh, Natalie Portman plays this pop She's already thing. a superstar. She's already a superstar, mm -hmm. and she's just become this tyrant, and she just, like, throws stuff at people, and she's a complete diva kind of thing. So that, to me, is more funny than... A Star is Born, where it's all kind of ideal. Well, a Star is Born's not supposed to be funny. No, not funny, but like, I mean, it's idealised. <laughs> it's idealised and romanticised, and it's all sort of like, You're you know, a sick man. What? You thought that was funny, didn't I didn't you? think it was funny. I meant it in the sense of like, it's... It, Do you save him? Save him. No, a Star is Born how. was... No, a Star is Born was really idealised and romanticised about like... It's in the sense of like... No, she's plucked out of nowhere, and she becomes this huge star. Stop and, being mean to a Star is Born. It's a great movie. Shut Thank you, Dave. Um, I really like the look of fighting with or for Fighting my with my family. Fighting with my family. I think that that looks great. So that's like based on the actual like WWE story of the Page. Page Page family. Is that their surname? No, her name is Paige. Okay, her name is Paige. Um, but it's with um your one, who I forget the name of from Oh, Florence Pugh. Pugh. Yeah, and she looks amazing and like Dwayne Johnson and it just looks Stephen like Stephen Merchant directed. Yeah, yeah that's, right. that's right. He's but, coming over for the festival too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He is. That tall drink of war. <laughs> yeah and I also actually just because um, I saw a new trailer for it just last week Greta I'm kind of really intrigued by because yeah. it's Isabel Hubert and Grace Chloe Moretz Chloe Moretz just yeah. all the names are like leaving me today but yeah, yeah. it looks like a very taut thriller and taut I mean thriller. I have I am so, so happy to see Isabel Hubert making a comeback yeah. since well, L, which yeah. was one of the best movies of yes. a couple of years ago. Gronya Humphreys points that one out as well, So I watched your interview with her um, earlier on, mm -hmm. and she's pointed out it was actually quite funny, it was funny too. You it looks yeah. funny. think that it's going to be a comedy, per mm. se. Yeah. Okay, so let's get let's get to your interview. Uh, do you want to set this one up, Deirdre? Um, just, this is me talking to Gronya Humphreys. She is the director of... Right. <laughs> <laughs> I am just... Sorry. She's God. the head honcho. <laughs> She's the head honcho. No, because you know They're all different, like, technical terms. Sure. I just want to make sure that I've got She's this right. She's the festival director. Um, She's the festival director and she talks about all of the, you know, exciting things that are available in the festival this year. So, yeah. Maybe the biggest addition is that we have a documentary competition and it's been something that's been building for a couple of years. I'm a huge documentary fan and with the two Irish documentaries in competition in Sundance, um, which was just something that developed after we'd kind of gone to bed with the programme, it was kind of like, yay, maybe we've actually just hit the sweet spot. 
So we have a really strong lineup. There's and uh, the two Irish documentaries, Shooting the Mafia, is a wonderful story about this incredible photographer who worked in Palermo for thirty years, taking photographs of the aftermath, if you like, of the of the mafia's activities. Um, Gaza, beautiful uh, new Irish documentary, and it just felt, as I said, the right time to do it. Um, so. Alongside films like Maiden, which is about sailing, about a yacht race, there's lots of films that I think will ap appeal to maybe audiences who aren't natural film festival attendees, but people who are coming in, maybe drawn in by a subject. And then hopefully, as I said, stay to, to see a couple of other films as well. And of course, you'll have your kind of regular attendees, the ones who come in year in and year the out. The season so ticket holders. Exactly. Yeah, so what are, some of the, what are some of the fan favourites that are coming back? I know like Secret Cinema is always like a really big popular yes, one. Yes, and I am not <laughs> revealing it no matter what you do. Of but, course. <laughs> but uh, the, the diehard fans are really important to us. I mean, mm -hmm. our season ticket holders, I think we've got around 70 or 80 of them. Brilliant. They go to see four or five films a day. Um, and films like Shadow, the Zhang Yimou film, which is on at 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning, that's a real season ticket holder you know, film. You know that they've seen an awful lot of his films before. It's a beautiful, big martial arts epic. And the only place to see it is the big screen. Mm -hmm. um, we have a Hungarian film called Ruben Brandt, which is a kind of cross between Ocean's Ocean's Eleven meets kind of Lucy. Um, but again, it's a film that's not going to be screened again. One of the things I love about Diff so much is how much it supports Irish cinema. Can you tell us about some of the Irish films that'll be screening this year? Well, Papi Chulo is a fantastic film. Mm -hmm. um, John Butler did Handsome Devil. He did The Stag. And this is his third feature, all set in L.A. It's about uh, a lonely um, weatherman and, and a friendship that he forms with um, a Mexican immigrant. And he's a really wonderful filmmaker. It's incredibly powerful. It's a very kind of simple story about, about two people who, who meet each other and the effect that they have on, on, on each other. Neil Jordan's wonderful new film Greta with mm -hmm. uh, Isabelle Huppert. I saw a trailer for that. It looks real intense. It's I'm really excited intense, for that. But it's <laughs> also got some wonderful moments of just sheer kind of mad humour. It's very, very funny in places. You can see that interview in full on site as well. We just use a little snippet of it there. Um, I'm always excited about the surprise movie. I'm mm, always yes. excited. That's always the one every and year on the Sunday. I never tell anyone. She must get her head absolutely melted. Oh yeah. Did you try and get it ever no, afterwards? I didn't, no, I didn't even bother to be honest. But I mean, I could just, I could already see the jaded look on her face <laughs> as I started asking her about the surprise film. You know, from the context of, you know, obviously you have your regular festival goers who kind of, you know, go to this festival, you know, year after the year. Which is yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so, but uh, like I said, I could already see the jaded look coming just on like her face. I'm, I'm actually no. very glad yeah. that you brought up Secret Film because I actually got it right one year and it was so happy with myself. It wasn't it was last year. No, it wasn't last year. No, no. It was what the, was it last year? Unsane. Unsane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I got, a, I got it right in that it, I said it was uh, Welcome to the Punch. We were like, oh, we were sitting okay. in the thing and I said, that would have been a few years ago. That was a good it? few years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Showing your age. Yeah. But it was, yeah, welcome to the punch and I got it right because they had the press screen and the next day it was like, I bet you any money is going to be welcome to the punch. It was like, came on. What's going to be this year, Brian? Um, I think it's going to be, is it, is, isn't it romantic? The, oh. that's the, it's the, it was It's released, it's going to be released here on Netflix. Oh, this is the, the uh, Rebel Wilson yes. one. Oh, yeah, I've got a screener for that, actually. Yeah, same as. Viewing it for the side. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I hope you, I hope you haven't already it. seen and screened it, and then you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I've already seen this. Be you bought a secret film, right? I, I usually don't, to be honest. And just as well I didn't last year, because I'd already seen yeah, it. Yeah, I'd already seen it. Just get up and um, leave. To be honest, I'm always hesitant about those ones in case it's hard. I can't do it. <sighs> yeah. Sorry if that was really loud on the mic. You're okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's Office Space is 20 years old this week. 
Um, Charlotte Reeves actually put out a social video on, on uh, Oliver Entertainment Body social media, kind of taking little snippets of the trivia. But Dee, you went, you deep dived I with did. five pieces of trivia about office space. I did. Can we I have mean, a hint? Um, about the trivia? Yeah, give us one that's not in the five. <laughs> Oh God, I can't even remember. It's so long ago since I wrote this. Um, oh, the stapler. So red was actually stapler. a color not being produced by that uh, particular stapler company anymore when the film came out. But such was the demand after Office Space. Everyone was like, can you make red staplers again? That they actually put them back into production. Yeah. Let's have that a That is fascinating. That is fascinating. I thought mm. that was fascinating. Kudos. <laughs> <laughs> it's the film show's useless trivia. With me, Owen Ronane, saying the numbers one to five. One. Office Space was actually a box office flop, making only $12.2 million against a $10 million budget. Instead, the movie gained cult status and a sizable profit on video. The head of Fox's home release division of the time wasn't even aware of how well it was performing until he was asked about it during an interview with EW. He looked up the figures online and was astounded. Two. Director Mike Judge, also known as the creator of Beavis and Butthead, was offered a chance to make a sequel called Office Space 2 Still Renting. However, Judge said that he'd been through so much anguish over the first film that he couldn't go through the experience again. Three. As of October 2018, the term ass clown officially entered the Webster's Dictionary. Judge was credited with first using it in office space. Four. The studio wanted Matt Damon as Peter, but Mike Judge felt the role should not have star energy. Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson auditioned for the role of Lawrence, while Ben Affleck was offered the role of Peter Gibbons. Additionally, Kate Hudson was considered to play Joanna, the part that went to Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> and of course, five. Mike Judge said that after the film came out, he received compliments from a lot of celebrities who enjoyed the film. Jim Carrey invited Judge to his house and Chris Rock left quote unquote the best voicemail ever, in Judge's words. Plus, Madonna took him to dinner. One of uh, my favourite lines in any movie. Uh, Every day of my life has been worse than the day before, which means whenever you meet me, it's on the worst day of my life. <laughs> and it's how Ron Livingston delivers that line. Ron Livingston's an excellent underrated he does, actor. Isn't he? He is, who yeah, looks yeah. like a leading man in the 50s or the 40s. Yeah, Cary Grant. Yeah, he's just got that and he is superb in that film. It's a yeah. great movie. It's kind of scary that it's two decades old, but you watch it and it's still so relevant and on the nose with what yeah. it's, everyone in this room knows what it's like to actually work in an office. I know, come on, it's fair. Like, our office is not like that. Like, no, it's no, not. it's not that depressing, but there are certain moments <laughs> and there are certain like quirky characters you get, Brian Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> Brian is more like something from The Office, I, th I feel. That's true, yeah. yeah. The American one. The American, the American one, one. Like, like who? Like, don't say Dwight. Don't say Dwight. Andy. No. <laughs> I'm the nerd dog, am I? Would you agree with that, Owen? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Well, that was just a knee jerk because he said I couldn't say Dwight. I wasn't necessarily going to say Dwight. I would say you would be your own ancillary character. At least they didn't say you're like David Brent from the UK oh, version. God, I, would, Kevin I would actually walk into traffic if you <laughs> said that. I would actually walk straight into traffic if you said that. A brilliant comic creation, nonetheless. Huh? It is. Okay, um... Liam Neeson's been in the news recently. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Nice. Um, yeah, open yeah, there. Smooth. Because he was smooth. promoting his movie Cold Pursuit, which we're now going to review. Sure. Okay. Um, you've both seen this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Quite liked it. It's a no, really good It's really movie. good. It's really good. But like, I was saying this to somebody when I walked out, it was like... Oh, was it Mark Cagney on Earl and the M? No, it wasn't actually. Mm -hmm. 
Um, no, I'm no, doing Ireland AM this week, actually. Yeah, actually, yeah. So there you go, yeah. yeah but so, she's, she's told me now, so I can schedule around, Deirdre. Anywho, what I was saying was about Cold Pursuit was, was that, like, I think it's, you know, it, it, it's his best film in years. It really is his best film in years. But, like, it'll be forever more known as the film Liam Neeson was promoting when he made those terrible comments. Like, it's all, like the two are always going to be connected, I think. I think it's the kind of thing that it will just haunt the rest of his career, I think, or what's left of it. Yeah. I actually, you know, I actually wrote, um, you wrote an a article on site yes, where I did say that I think that this film is actually the perfect swan song for Liam Neeson in that it's a really good, really solid action movie. And this would be perfect as his last one in that particular genre. Because let's be honest, we're getting so oh, God, sick of yeah, all those taken like movies. And what's nice about this film is that it's not taken like it. Like it's almost, you're watching it and it's almost more something like Coen Brothers, oh, like completely. Fargo. Or even like Wind River was coming to me as I was watching it, or like Taxi Driver or something. No, yeah, or it's really that different. kind of gritty, is it? It's really yeah. like it's yeah. it's really like, and it's it's so violent, so suddenly, and so messed yeah. up. Yeah, and then you're kind of laughing, but you're also like, this is really messed up. Yeah, it's very like it's a strange film in the sense of like the way the violence is handled is really dark and really violent. But then the aftermath of it... The violence is really violent. I know, but I mean, it's in, sorry, the aftermath of it is hilarious. Like, there's a scene... Oh, in like that's what a combo is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there's a scene in it where... And I, I was watching, I was like, I, should I be laughing at this or not? But it was basically Liam You're Neeson. a sick puppy, Brian, that's probably right. But it was Liam Neeson's son, and he was. they were taking him out of the slab in the mortuary. And they're literally like pushing the the the, oh, the winch thing to bring him up. No, that and they're was all, funny. That was funny, but like they're just watching it. It's just like it's like this dead body, just like oh, 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 oh. and I was like, should I be laughing at this? Is this am I meant to laugh at this? Well, in fairness, the screening that we were at, people were like laughing yeah, constantly. But it was it. nervous laughter. Yeah, like, did yeah. you notice that? Like, like I think yeah. it's one of those films that really is predicated on. Shit, should I be laughing at this? Is this is this meant to be funny? I don't know if I should yeah. laugh about this. But I think it was, you know, like it, it was, was very yeah. kind of self-aware. It was very aware of like Neeson's kind of reputation and everything. And it was very aware of itself as a kind of, you know, revenge type action movie. Yeah. And that, what I really loved about it was that it was constantly defying expectations. Like Completely. it was not following the typical narrative trajectory you expect of these kind of films. Like in F if anything, Liam Neeson and Laura Dern are like the smaller story. Completely. And it's actually much more so about um, the villain story. And then also um, the two the two police officers who are kind of the ones that tell Liam Neeson and Laura Dern that their son is dead in the first place. And then it kind of follows them as they see all these kind of goings on. I don't want to give it away, but basically among kind of the baddies You don't describe a scene in detail and ruin it for people like Brian did. No, he didn't. Well, you know from the trailer, the son's That's in dead. the trailer. Yeah, it's That's grand. in the trailer. Excuse me. Um, but I, know. I just thought it was brilliant. It's kind of, you're always kind of, you know, looking forward to what's happening next. Yeah. And it's really entertaining, but also completely like surprising in parts. It's just, it's a really, really well-made film. I was, yeah. I was kind of really surprised by it, to yeah. be honest. I did not expect, I didn't expect that at all. Because even, it's not at all like the trailer has made it out to be no. either. You no, know? and I, to be fair, like I, I think it is the kind of film that, yeah, it's it's going to be a very hard film for them to promote mm. on the basis. Evidently, of, yeah. <laughs> but on the basis of like, it's not a film that could be succinctly put into a trailer, and mm. it's not a film that we're probably selling well. It's I think it's the case of if you saw it, 
you'd be like, Jesus, this See, is that didn't help with The Grey when The Grey came out a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. And The Grey is a superb movie. It is. It's, mm. it's in my top 10 of all time. I absolutely love that film where it's this character, you know, having a suicidal character having an existential crisis. How, um, do, you, how, how do you put that into a like trailer? He, everybody's like, he mm. fights wolves. <laughs> It's, it's not, not that really. Wall. No. But I, at the same time, I'm pretty sure that the movie studios have these com- kind of conversations sure. and they want you to go into a movie with certain expectations because you'd much prefer to come out of a movie and having been surprised Completely. by it than you would kind of going in and you're kind of like, eh, that was kind You've of what You've been handed exactly yeah. what you expected. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, would, have you seen The Grey, Dave? I have not. Ah, I mean, it's a great movie. Are you interested to see what you think of that one now? Yeah, it's on my lengthy list of films. That I, I give you a movie every week to watch. You yeah. don't watch any of them. You do not. I do. I told you, you to watch High Flying Bird last every week. week. Every week. Well, every week for the past two weeks. Yeah, aren't you into like <laughs> NBA anyway? Like, Yeah. So why wouldn't you watch it? Like, I oh, No, I will. As I explained last week, I'm sure you listen back. Uh, <laughs> that sure. uh, I was moving house over the last couple of weeks and I've I actually moved. That. So now... I could potentially watch it tonight. Probably won't, but I might. <laughs> I don't know you moved. Well, we should talk about this after. Honestly, yeah. it's not really a Tuesday night kind of movie. High Flying Bird or <laughs> no. Cold Pursuit? Well, High Flying Bird, High Flying Bird, well, that's the whole point we talked about last week, Brian, obviously you noticed because you watched it and listened to it. Sure. And um, was that it's very NBA-centric and there's a lot of players, yeah. there's real-life NBA players in it. And myself and Dee were saying, as you'll know, that it went over our heads a little bit, but I still quite enjoyed it, as did Deirdre. Kind of. Yes, I will. Kind yes. of, yeah. There you go. Yes. That's the summary of last week's show for you, Brian. You're welcome. You're cool. welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, uh, one that was kind of mentioned in the awards contention mm. is on the basis of sex. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, Bader, Bader, Bader Ginsburg. All right, Brian. You just was, say it right. Was, was uh, kind of in, you know, that realm of a might yeah. get nominated and it hasn't been Ah, uh, well... It was trying really, really, really yeah. hard. Well, you get that failed. by the fact they put Army Hammer in it. <laughs> Well, it's not just that. I mean, like, if you look at it, it ticks all the boxes. Like, it's based on a true story. It's a crime. It's a, uh, whatchamacallit, courtroom drama. You know, it's an inspirational true story. You know, you've got a previously Oscar-nominated lead in it and everything. So, yeah, they they were trying very hard. But um, How did they do? (laughs) They didn't do very well. It wasn't nominated for anything. But, you know, but here, I mean... But I as a film, it's, it's funny you say that because, like, I think Green Book is the exact same as well. I, like the whole I time. said that in my review. Did you? I said Green Book Do is doing what, the D? exact same. He's obviously read your review as well in detail, and now he's regurgitating, he's regurgitating it, 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 making it yeah. seem yeah. like it's yeah. a consumer yeah. of our content yeah. as well as being in a point light. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true, though. Yeah, like the whole like I, like I haven't seen on the basis of sex, but when I saw the trailer. But I was like, Jesus Christ, try harder, will you? Yeah, come on. Co-starring Army Hammer. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I like Army Hammer, but it was just like, it was like, as you say, like it's courtroom drama based on the true story, inspirational, mm-hmm. uh, speaks to our modern day, but set in the past. Yes. Like, Christ, like, could you get, like, try harder? But yep. just to play devil's advocate. Oh, go on, play Dave's advocate. Okay. Like, that is the essence of the story itself is it ever not going to be Oscar bait no no I mean, I know I know but I'm just yeah, saying it's like, a true life story obviously it is like, a true they're life not going to change the story to make it less appealing to an Oscar audience not at all but what I'm saying is is that like if you have you have any of you seen the documentary RBG no but I don't no. Ruth Bader Ginsburg she's obviously on the Supreme Court she's a left leaning Supreme Court judge yeah um, but like I mean what I'm saying is is that the, re- the only reason this film is being made now is because of the current political climate and all that kind of thing like it's that's why 
because RBG is in the news all the time. Like, that's mm. why they're making this film. They're well, not... it's that whole, if Trump wins again, he'll likely get two more Supreme Court picks. Yeah. That's not good. So you could say it's obvious time. I didn't hey, say that. Hey, you throwback. said that. Right. Could you say it? You may think that. I possibly couldn't comment. Um, What's but... Felicity Jones like in it, too? She's very good, in yeah. fairness. And so is Army Hammer. I mean, they're... See, they're actually very know? good individually. He, he is. He is. I know you don't like him, Mike, but I think he's Why don't you like him? Yeah, actually, what's up? Do you know what? He went on, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel a couple of weeks ago. Might have been Stephen Colbert. I don't remember. But he told this really long-winded story about how he didn't get his wife something for Christmas on, her for, on their first Christmas together because she told him not to, and that was it. And it just made me hate him even more. I even don't know why. More. I think he tries very hard to be a social justice type warrior person. And he's all like, look, I'm statuesque and six foot five and very handsome, but I care about those issues. And I don't believe him, D. I don't believe him. Imagine if he'd been Batman. You'd be tearing he's your so hair out right now. No, he yeah. won't. That was, that uh, was he's denied. So, he's so vanilla. Yeah. They're not going to pick him for Batman. No, he's, no you could. Surely not. Like he's so vanilla. He's like Val Kilmer in the you know? 90s. Like, you know, that kind of way. You couldn't imagine him. He'd never be Batman. I like to see Val Kilmer as Batman now. You would see that one cool. You would see that one cool, would you? Oh my god, I remember Val Kilmer in The Snowman. Did you you watch The Snowman? Yeah, but like, to be fair. He just kind of appeared in the movie and then just disappeared. The Snowman. That movie was so Classic Val. Classic Val. The Snowman. Stuff like that. Oh dear. The Snowman was the most hilarious film. He didn't even look like he knew where he was in most of his scenes. We are supposed to be reviewing on the basis of sex. Sorry, does it tell you how bad it is? That yeah, like I was just, just yeah. going to say, judging by D was just like, no. It's not no. bad. It's not bad. It's just, it's just An very... An honourable tale told plainly. Yeah. It's very okay. And, you know, at the end of the film, nice. it has a bunch of, you know, kind of the end titles with what you went on to do. And I was kind of looking at these stories thinking, but that's the thing. I was looking at these stories thinking, I actually think that there was a better movie to be had here. I don't think they picked the most interesting story here. So there was that, first of all. And the second kind of big issue I had of it was that, I mean, the courtroom finale was just so full of bravado and self-importance. Like, I literally felt like somebody could yell out, you can't handle the truth at any moment No, No, I would have liked that. (laughs) Self-referentiality there. Um, But it was just very twee and pompous. And I know that's kind of, you know, required of the genre, that particular genre and everything, but it also just felt very forced, I thought. Um, so it's it was still an enjoyable movie. It was fine, but I can see why it was ignored in terms of award season, because it's not great. But why was that ignored and yet Green Book wasn't? I don't know. Men, because men led it. Do you know what I will say? Do you know what I will say? Again, everybody loved Green Book. I love everybody it. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, is true. All yeah. the yeah. Everybody nodding their heads there, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody loved it. I've never, very rarely seen, because so many people from the office went to it. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Telling That's probably why, Brian. Crowd, the crowd pleaser is taking over the Oscars. Same with Bohemian in fact, Rhapsody. In fact, don't you have a piece coming up on I site do. about no, that, Deirdre? It's already published, oh, It's already been actually. up. Shit. Okay. You know, because you read my work, Brian. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes. Okay, there's, a, there's a huge Irish movie been released next week. And Brian, you've gone into it with Shauna Carslake, the movie's director. Can we show a quick clip from it there, Ron? Um, the first question I wanted to ask both of you is, what the fuck? <laughs> is like, that what that is? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, all right, sorry. Okay, try that again. <laughs> sorry. That's a good first question. Yeah. Thanks, I'm really looking forward to this interview, Brian. Was it, the, did you just play the bit when... Maybe. 
Okay. So if I can speak to you directly. Nope, we'll leave it till next week. I'm no, not a, a light <laughs> went off. A light went off <laughs> just as I was about to start and I freaked out. Thanks okay. so much for tuning in. Thanks for you today. Thanks all Renee and see you Entertainment next week. I love the way you say film.